Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Common Kaisers. I'm your host, Chris Eaton, and joining me is... Aria. Welcome. I don't know what it is with you and Jessica. You guys don't like giving your full name out there. It's out there. I mean... It's Adiyan, out you know, there. It's, I mean, just... How many Adyans do you know? Like, four? <laughs> well, uh, actually, you're the only one I know. <laughs> And I do live in a predominant, well, I did live in a predominantly Hispanic area. So I, I knew a lot more Hectors. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> you can call me Hector. It's fine. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so welcome back, everyone. This is episode three. Uh, I'm hoping you guys have been enjoying uh, this uh, little project we've been doing. Um, so for this week's episode, we decided to delve into the world of anime. Because uh, look, that's that's not that's in the circle, as I've said. You know, is the the idea of this show is covering things that are in the orbit of what the yes. uh, our of what our flagship show, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, is in. And we do cover. We've done a little anime here and there on that one. I think we um, we actually uh, did something off topic. We actually covered the Netflix Voltron series when it came out, which uh, I get wistful thing about that. I never, Arian. Before Godzilla, there was Voltron in my life. Okay. Young, little, four-year-old Chris. That was the first first thing in my life before Sesame Street for anything else is Voltron. And When you say Voltron, uh, you mean? Lion Force Voltron. But yeah. the, first, the first toy I ever got for Christmas when I was four and a half, this is my earliest memory I have of my life, is Christmas morning, I'm four, we had this, we, where we lived, we had this giant den. We put the tree in the back. I remember waking up. I remember four of the very specific gifts I got that morning. I got three He-Man figures from a line that just died. That was the uh, Power of Grayskull line where they had the dino- oh. the robot dinosaurs. Oh. Yeah, I remember those. So I had yeah. the Triceratops. I had the, uh, the Pterodactyl. Did not have the T-Rex. And uh, we got a, I think it was like a buzz off or something. But the other thing, the big gift for me, because my mom and dad knew I loved Voltron. They got me Voltron. It was this big box. It was wrapped up. And we're opening it up. And it was the Car Force Voltron. And I'm like, huh, that says Voltron. Because out here in Southern California, uh, we didn't really get Car Force Voltron, like in syndication. I'm 99% sure it aired, and it aired once, but it was before I was cognizant of it. While the regular Voltron, because it was just, there's like 65 episodes, was constantly on rotation. And uh, I don't think it was ever put up on home video, because I used to rent my, well, I used to rent, my parents used to rent from Warehouse Video. (laughs) There's a name you've not heard in a long, long time. Yes. Warehouse, where you used to go get your music. And your 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 uh, your um, your VHS copies of of like uh, Roadhouse when you wanted them, and then they had a rental section. They weren't as as deep as Blockbuster was, but because they were like we're selling music, that's the rental's just a skim game. But they had at the time in the kids section, they had a very elaborate uh, collection of like Japanese stuff, and they had the first five episodes of Voltron and they have the second five. So um, those 
constantly. I bake my mom every weekend. I just want to get Voltron. I feel like we're watching over and over again. So the car force was like, ah, okay. My dad and I spent an hour trying to put that damn thing together. And we're like, he's like, what the hell is this? Like, once we got it together, never came apart because you could not rip those things apart with a with, uh, with the jaws of life. Because once they were locked in, that was it. I think I ended up breaking like the mid hip area, like the rockets, because I couldn't get the damn thing out. But that's neither here nor there. Voltron was <laughs> was it was my it was my my it's it's the it's joy in my heart. Yes. So believe me, years of seeing disappointing after disappointing Voltron reboots, third dimension, <laughs> the Voltron Force. I give them credit because they wanted they did something new. And they played with the mythos. I'm fine with it, but it was not a what I would call a great outing. That Netflix show, when they announced that, I'm like, ah, the names Joaquin Dos Santos and uh, Lauren Montgomery. I'm like, okay, there's potential here because they're the ones behind all the DC stuff. Joaquin directed my absolute favorite episode, just about anything on television. That was the the second to last episode of justice league unlimited when they fought um no 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 that was the last one that was the actual season final that one the second last episode is where they fight uh lutherac when luther and brainiac merge right right right. and it's got that that i i saw the scene uh, my buddy and i i i worship at the altar of those shows like the bruce tim universe stuff that mm, um so that episode I saw in at Comic-Con and I remember sitting there watching it and I hadn't really caught up with it. So I just know that all this stuff's going on when flash is about to be killed by Luther and Luther's like, well, look at this. I kill you Armageddon right on time. And he, you know, he vibrates out of the, uh, the, the shackles and he takes off and Luther's like, yeah, what are you, you going to fight me boy? And takes off. And then Luther, Luther act starts building. And then all of a sudden you just hear the, the music swelling, you just see Flash, just you don't see anything that slams into him. And all of a sudden you just see Flash booking it across, left, right, like as he's leaving Wakes. That that episode is the best. It was written by Dwayne McDuffie, so it should it, that should tell you everything. But that episode was absolutely stunning. But there was the direction of Joaquin Dos Santos in that. Just the way everything was laid out. No one, in my opinion, has ever come close to adapting the DC stuff as well as that those teams have no one like, and I look and look, I'm a hardened Snyderverse defender, but in my opinion, no one has ever gotten comic books as close as those guys have. They nailed it perfectly. That's how you adapt everything. So when I got, when I finally saw what they were doing with Voltron, I'm like, Oh, it's, it's actual hand-drawn animation. It's, they're retelling the story, but it's a completely new way. And they didn't, they didn't like zhuzh it up or anything. They were, it was basics down the ground. And not only that, the subtle references to other things like Robotech in it, like each season was just better and better. And yes, they went with the Gurren Logan ending, but I felt it was earned. It was great. And uh, so, yeah, so yeah, a- anime, that's what that brings us to. That was that whole roundabout. Sorry. Pretty, I, again. pretty soon, no, pretty soon. This you've seen the Muppets, right? Mm, which one? You, remember the Muppets, the Muppet Show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? What were the two older 
gentlemen, Muppets. Oh, uh, uh, Waldorf and Steckler. That's going to be us. Pretty yeah, sure yeah. a couple, couple more <laughs> yeah. episodes. Remember when they used to do that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you remember um, the warehouse? Do you remember Sam oh, Goody? Yeah. Remember the, the three stories Sam Goody did downtown? Like, yes, yep, yes, yep, we do. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, that, that was my introduction to anime. And the preceding uh, years of watching stuff like, um, like I, I remember they had an early, they had an, they had um, they compiled a movie of Guy King, like the first five episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ultraman. Um, Ultraman two. N- no, the movie. Yeah. Uh, the Adventure Begins or whatever. The Adventure Begins, which is yeah. actually the ass end of the series. But they made it into a movie, so you're completely lost when you're watching it. But I remember that. So that that started my love of anime. What sealed the deal was uh, the dual broadcast of both Ronin Warriors and Technoman. Those were like, you know, nine-year-old Chris. Is, I'm like, this is what cartoons can be? Like, this is so much better than half the other stuff that's out there. And then, then I, I, as, I, as I matured and I age, I remember seeing... A VHS copy of a of this of this movie at uh at said warehouse video, and the cover just like reached out to me like what is this? It was called Giver Dark Hero, and oh. I just remember looking at the design. This just it's just it's that that glorious '90s direct-to-video bot where they kind of just threw things together, but they're like, this is what you're getting in the movie. That's even if the monster was only in it for like ten minutes, but you're like. You're getting this. I remember looking at the back of the box. I'm like, whoa, what is all? But I'm, you know, nine, ten years old. I'm like, rated R. Oh, I don't know if my parents are going to be. If my, I show that to my dad, my dad would be like, yeah, grab it. Why not? Let's go watch. My dad was trying to show me anything R-rated monster stuff because deep down, uh, I think he was worried I was turning into a giant puss because to to his fault, he showed me aliens at the tender age of four as well. That year was a very good, stout good. year. That's a good time yeah. to watch aliens. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching aliens and, and aliens, a fantastic movie. But when you're four years old and you're watching Lance Hendrickson get ripped in half by the queen and you don't realize he's a robot, he's got all this white crap flown out of him. That just shattered my brain. I didn't want to watch anything for years like that. Like it just seems like, no, no, no. Like I'm too much of a, I'm, I'm too much of a wuss on this. I'll just stick to my giant monster movies. But that Giver box, I remember like looking at him like, what is that? Now, at that warehouse, there was a big nerd that worked there. And while going through, he had a catalog of everything he can order. And he, you know, I would want all the Godzilla movies because they didn't carry them all, but he can order them. And I remember looking at because they had pictures next to him and I saw more Giver. I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, that's that's a Japanese anime. He's like, ah, it's not. I think it's too much for you right now. Too much. So smash cut to 13-year-old me move down here. And my videos, my new video store had a Japanimation section. Japanimation. Yeah, remember I used to call it Japanimation? Oh, Yeah, man. the weebs out there don't know that. They're too young for that stuff. Mm. And I remember perusing it because my mom – you know, my parents were divorced. My mom was like, mm. look, you just want to watch movies all day. That's cool. And that's, you know, you're not on the street doing anything, you know, on the hard streets of Orange County. And um, 
I remember perusing what, the, the... What year was this? What? What year was this? This is 90, 97. Okay. Actually, no, I take okay. that back. So it was a year, a year prior to that. I remember specifically, I would stay at my grandparents' house. They have a fairly big house. It's actually the house I'm in right now. So they had a VCR upstairs, and the whole upstairs was, when, I, when my brother and I would stay over, that was our domain, as long as we didn't mess it up. So there was one week, and my mom, because, you know, things going on my mom my brother had uh, a trip with a friend and she didn't want me at home so she sent me to my grandparents for the weekend my grand i begged my grandma can we just go to the video store i could pick something she's like yeah and there was two two things i pulled out of that japan animation section i pulled out uh cutie honey the uh the the ova so the uh the 90s one yeah, the one that was explicitly all fan service, and then I pulled out Guyver. But the problem was it was the last, it was the last two episodes. Oh, and I remember popping it. Yes. So um, I remember popping in Cutie Honey and be like, I'm 13 years old. This is, or 12. I'm 12 at the time. No internet at this time either. So now I'm seeing like, oh my god, that's that's a boob. <laughs> like. What is going on in here? This is this is not this. My eyes were open, like I was seeing new things, and not in a dirty sense, but seeing the action, the way things were just animated. I was like, "This is this is awesome." This is I'm you know, as my movie taster starting to grow, and then I popped in Guyver, and I finally seen what this guy is all about, and the the something snapped in my brain, and thus I'm like, "This is my new religion." I am devoting myself. I have to see the rest of this because those last two episodes, I'm like, this is the coolest damn thing I've ever seen. He's he's wearing like a he's wearing a biomechanical armor. There's people that turn into giant freaking monsters. He's cutting them in half. Oh, I'm like the violence in it. I'm like, my God, this is the bloodthirst in me. Be you know, started that day, and from there on, uh, I. That Christmas, my mom's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, I just gave her a list of movies. The only toy I wanted that year, and this is back in 97, I wanted my Starship Troopers warrior bug because I yeah. became obsessed with Starship Troopers. Yeah. I saw that like did five you, times. The movie went over my head glue? at the time. Did yeah, the glue ones. Yeah. Yes. I still got it. I still have it. That, is, is that the one with the, uh, it shit out like, uh. With the string? No, no. This is the big one. This the oh, thing was the, the, huge. The it was electronic too, so it would make sound. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, it's a that. good. It's a solid figure. That thing's twenty five years old, and it barely a scratch on it. So, and I played the hell out of it too. So, uh, I we had a blockbuster music next to our house, and in music? there, blockbuster music. Do you remember blockbuster I music? Even, I didn't even know they had a music section. Block, no, it wasn't a blockbuster. There was a difference. Blockbuster Music did not rent anything. It was a music store, but they sold movies. It was like a Suncoast. They were competing with oh, Suncoast okay. and Warehouse at the time. So this was a separate entity. Oh. And they had all of the Guyvers up there, but they were mixed. It was the LA Hero original subs, and then they had the manga ones. Mm. I remember specifically my mom, it's it's November, and no one was touching, and they were they were now, you got to remember, back in this day, this is all set up for what we're going to talk about. Back in the day, VHSs were not exactly cheap. And if you wanted, like, an anime VHS, they were in the range of, like, 35 to 40 Buddy. bucks a pop. Buddy, you got two episodes. 
Yeah. Two, three, if you're Two. lucky. Yes. Three, unless like it was like you know the end of the of the series, and then you would get yeah. the third one. But yeah. two of them, and you're yeah, you're right. You're talking about thirty, forty dollars in 1997, 1996 money. Yes, and these so are actually coming were, down yeah. from what they used to be. Used to my be neighbor different. across. Yeah, my neighbor across yeah. my old neighbor in my old neighborhood, he had the entire run of Robotech on VHS. I remember him telling me he's like, I spent like two hundred fifty dollars on the set. It was like 12, yeah. 12 tapes. And today that sounds ridiculous, but like that's what that market was. It was a very niche, very niche market. So that Christmas, my three big gifts, I got my Starship Troopers. My mom got me a miniature TV VCR combo so I could put it up in my room. Nice. And I got every single Giver tape. She went and bought them all because I guess the she told me later that because they just sat there, like they just needed them to move. And the guy behind the counter is like, look, I'll just discount these down to like 10 bucks. She, I think she gave him a sob story. They're like, I'm a divorced mom and all this. And this is what my kid wants. And the guy's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I remember opening those things. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I can't. I didn't even take the – I put the first tape in. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, whoa, this is mind-blowing. And by the way, I still hadn't watched the movies yet. I hadn't seen the live action movies quite yet. Those are right. the next things on the line. So, Giver, when you, if you looked at my my binder in high school, you remember when you used to de- did you decorate your binder too? Yeah, I had a picture of uh, Mike and Joel at the box for Mystery Science Theater in my nice binder. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, mine. I would go to the library. I would print out the crappy low res pictures that they had. I cut them out. I color them in because it was only black and white and I collage there and it was all just Giver and Dragon Ball Z left and right, left and right. Draw Dragon Ball Z left and Giver. So years following. Now, again, remember, Internet is in its in its like infancy. So I uh, I don't know what else is out there. I know that there's a couple of books. I know that Viz have put out the books, and I would find those at places like uh, um, Virgin Megastore. Remember when yes. Virgin? Rest, yeah. rest in peace. I miss you. Um, I got those, and then uh, I remember perusing through, of all places, Blockbuster Video. I never re- really rented from Blockbuster because my mom always it's like it's too expensive, but they had – a tape there in a white clamshell box, like how it used to be. And it said, Guy, we're out of control. I'm like, what is this? I thought I had them all. And it would be another two years because I couldn't get a, I couldn't get membership to Blockbuster. The smash cut to Comic-Con 99. I'm walking those, those hallowed halls. And there's, this is back when all the bootleg guys still had, had, uh, had like carte blanche over there. And there was a guy there. I remember he had it sitting in the, uh, it was sitting behind, like it was up on the shelf. You can see it was in the grid paneling, and I saw it. I, I'm like, "Hey man, how much? How much you want for that uh, guy? We're out of control." And he picked it up, looked at it. He's like, "20 bucks." I'm like, "There you go." So that tape went home with me, and that particular tape, "Guy We're Out of Control," is the topic of today's episode. Uh, what it turned out to be was not what I was expecting. Because I did not know at the time, this was the very first attempt at bringing Giver into animation. Um, it is very different, which we'll get into, and, but also very much the same. 
And when I proposed this episode, because I'm like, we, I want to do some, want to do some anime. We both agreed. Yeah, we're gonna throw some anime. In. We're gonna throw some deep cut stuff. Nothing really new. We want to end not only that, but it's got to stay in the topic. I'm like, Guyver. He's like, yeah. Everyone, everyone was like, Guyver. I'm like, well, have you ever seen Out of Control? And what was your reply to that? He's like, yeah, by a boosted. That's what you. I thought you meant by a boosted guy. And nope, then you said I no. Said, the 1986, 87, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, no, 1989. Like we were arguing dates for a second, and you're like, yep. no, no, no. This was made while Guyver was still being printed. And I was yep. like, what? Have mm-hmm. I not seen this? And I haven't. I was like, what the? F-? You know, I thought <laughs> I thought it was just. The, you know, the, the Ovas, I thought it was mm-hmm. the two movies, and then the 2005 yep. one, and that was it, and that's it for Guyver. No, no, no. Oh. Little to my knowledge. Oh, was there something else? No, no, Did no. Did I miss something no. else? Nope. Little to my knowledge that there was this wonderful one-hour little movie that is, how do I put this? This is the Guyver starter pack of mm-hmm. of the, the, the series. If you like this, and you have no idea what Guyver is, you should probably watch this and then watch everything else afterward. But I think Chris, you, you, you set this one up and then I'll, we'll talk about it. So again, to my glee, the fact that you had never watched this, I'm like, Oh, perfect. What? This is, it's only, I told him only an hour long. It's actually not even that. It doesn't even come out to a full hour. It's like 56 minutes. We, the like joy that, yeah. and wonder. The joy and wonder of OVAs. The home video market here, like, there's no, there's no limit to really how long they can go or how short they are. But the idea was like, these are short little things that we can't air on TV because so, of the booming. On. What? OV, oh, let's talk about OVAs for a second and where yeah. they came from. OVAs stand for original video animation, right? Mm-hmm. And they started in the mid '80s, early '80s, late '80s, yeah. sometime in the '80s. And yeah. like you said, they were made for they were made for the japanese home video audience that was like you said booming at the time mm-hmm. and they weren't they were anywhere exactly anywhere between like 45 half an hour all the way up to two hours depending on what it was and mm-hmm. you would you would get them the best thing i would compare them to now are limited tv series but here now you would get them every week you would say like a mandalorian or a Last of Us, or a Game of Thrones. It's every week. With OVAs, mm. it was two, maybe Sparse. three times a year. Yep. And then wait, then off year, and then another year would happen. You know, you maybe get one more, and then another year would pass, and then you would finish it off with like two more episodes. Mm-hmm. No more than ten, or you know, sometimes in, in Guyver's case, sometimes twelve. But they were yep. very, you know, all over the place. Yep. And so God you had a, God forbid you were you were waiting on Giant Robo at the time. <laughs> that took eight damn years to finish. Like that that is the that is how it worked. That's how the market was. And here's the thing, like we're because we're gonna go into late as we get deeper into the show, there's a lot of what because there's OVA and then there's V cinema. Oh yeah. Because the Japanese they took to home video like like flies to honey. Like they were all in on it. There was a booming market out there, and they treated it very differently than how America treated its home video market. Here, if something went direct to video, you're like, oh, oof, it's probably not that good. 
Uh, nine times out of ten, yeah, that's normally what it is. Your your home video market was these cheap, usually horror movies that uh, maybe like a full moon would release or Roger Corman would release. Something made on like $50,000. Usually it was gratuitous. You know, you had a cool monster. It was They were kind of violent, but a lot of times there's like nothing going on because they had no budget. Or it was a, it was a movie so bad that the studio did not deem it worthy to be released in theaters. And it was shoot it direct to video. Um, most famously, an example of that is the G.I. Joe movie, the original one. Was it? it was supposed to, yes, it was because Transformers and G.I. Joe were supposed to be released back to back. Transformers went first. It did not do that well because Transformers popularity was already starting to wane at the time. And because of the death of Optimus Prime, a lot of people were like, hey, you, you, you scarred my kids. So when G.I. Joe was released, instead of going theatrical, I think it got like a one week, like in Austin, Texas or something like that, just to like fulfill some sort of like contractual obligation. But for the the it was a everybody saw it on home video. And not only that, but they had to go in and re-edit it because they were going to kill off Duke. Like that scene when he gets stabbed, I think it was by Nemesis Enforcer. And oh, you can tell. When he goes into a coma? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he goes into a coma. Originally, he was supposed to be dead. And they had to edit it. Like when you walk, when you go back and watch, I remember sitting in the theater watching with my buddy George. He's the biggest Joe fan in the world. And I'm, I'm watching him because I've seen him like once or twice, but I'm really looking at like when you, because we saw a theatrical viewing of it. And I remember like, Oh man, on the big screen, that edit is so much more apparent because Duke gets in front of Hawk, his brother, or Falcon. It was Falcon, I think, and takes the blow. And there's there's this. It's supposed to be like blood coming out, but then they had to glitterize it to cover up the blood. And then there's like a hard cut, and they're like Duke's down. And then smash cut to they're off. They're off to the next thing. And then literally after they defeat. Um, Globulus and Cobra Law, they just get like there's an overdub and they're like all cheering. All of a sudden you hear, "Hey, Duke's gonna be okay," and then it credits. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that's what home video. That's what the home video market was. Not in Japan. Japan was Japan for what it was. It was more or less like a lot of filmmakers cut their teeth on the home video market because there was you could do a lot more experimental stuff out there, and it wasn't. It wasn't as regarded as like this is like where trash goes. Like, no, no, there was trash made for it, but it was beautiful trash, glorious trash. And uh, there, that is where the market for a lot of these more adult themed animes would come because Japan loves their animation. And that's when the these the, I believe that's where the 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 boundaries really start getting pushed. Um there's gonna be an episode down the line. We're gonna talk about Gina Cyber because they that that you want to talk about boundary pushing. That pushed the boundaries to the point I found out they was even banned for a minute. So this is where Guyver comes in because now adapting adapting manga is not a um, it's not a new thing. Like I think like something like almost seventy or eighty percent of like all the shows they ever did like the main the big series were all based off off some sort of manga, and Guyver was. No different. But this, this was made as they were wrapping up the first four chapters. Like, that's literally what you're getting in this OVA. But because there's so much that goes on with Guyver, 
they truncated, and we'll get into that in a minute. But that said, this was the very first outing for Guyver. It was the first time anybody saw any sort of animation for it. And it goes into a test run that I, for people who've never seen it, it's always interesting to hear because nine times out of 10, the people I've, I've talked to that love Guyver, it's the last thing they've ever seen because this thing has never been released on DVD ever. It's not going to DVD release at all. I have no idea why. Um, I've heard theories that the, a master copy may not exist anymore. I've heard theories that there's like a rights issue. I don't know. Even in Japan, it does not. The only way it exists now is that VHS copy that um, I want to say it wasn't it wasn't streamlined yet or, or um, LA Hero. It might have been LA Hero out here. I, I got to double Hero. check it. It might have been LA Hero because I think they picked it up after the other ones. But it was only sub too, not dubbed, because the LA Hero did the or no actually manga I think did the dub eventually, and. It, it's when you watch it out of order, like for the people who saw it when it first came out, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is where it's at. But for those of us that found it years later, you're like, what, like, where does this take? I, like, what's going on with all this? This is odd. This is different. Like, I fear change. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I'm gonna let the person who watched it, the the virgin viewing, Ooh. I'm gonna let RN take over because I'm very curious. He's not really told me much. He's just giving me like a few. I'm like, save it for the show. And let's jump in to Guyver out of control. <sighs> okay. Uh, let's start at the beginning. So if you don't know what Guyver is, Chris, can you tell us a little bit what Guyver is exactly? Before we Guyver is yeah, – so lay the ground. So Guyver is um, – it's a big genre mashup. Best way I can describe it, it's – um. It's Iron Man uh, meets uh, like it's Iron Man kind of meets Manchurian Canada because there's a lot of shadow government stuff going on in it. But it's not government. It's a giant evil corporation called Kronos. Right. And Kronos has their hands in everything. They're a worldwide massive multicorp. They uh, I think their public face is that they're like in tech and stuff like that. They're just very they're very powerful, very rich. And think umbrella uh, corporation. Think umbrella yes. corporation. They are they are umbrella very much so and yeah. you f they uh, they have uh, genetic technology way beyond anything else that they can turn humans into these bioweapons called zoonoids. Think of like a man turning into a werewolf, except you're not turning into a werewolf. You're turning into like a 12 foot giant gargoyle or a 12 foot like bat monster that has massive shoulders that open up and fire laser beams out of and it's all organic uh the basis of the story is we have our hero sho fukumachi and his two friends mizuki and tetsuo and uh there is uh it starts off with show inadvertently coming contact with a device called what, what chronos dubs a gyber unit and they're these kind of octagon shaped thing like discs they're about you know about the size of a phone book, and they have a metal in the mi in middle of it. And uh, show comes across one after a rogue uh, zoonoid stole them. We don't know why, but he was stealing them, and Kronos was trying to get them back. So that's a that's a great way to start this uh, this story. Yes, because that's exactly where this starts. Starts mm -hmm. off at a rainy rainy side of the road. And mm -hmm. You see this guy and uh, this hobo looking dude. 
and he's holding a bag and then a trucker comes in and pulls over and gives him a ride. Uh, they don't say his name outright, but the character, the hobo-looking guy's name is Malamut, correct? Malamut, yep. Malamut. He shows up. He's a character in the main story. Yes. So very brief, is, but he's very important to it. Yes. Uh, he's carrying a bag of, of, of what he calls spare parts. The mm-hmm. trucker asks him, you know, what's you know, what's in the bag? And uh, he thinks it's drugs or money or He's suspicious as to why he's out here in the middle of the night on a rainy night. By the way, the trucker, very dubious himself, too. Very sketchy-looking guy. Yeah. Uh, so he he gets, he loses patience with Malma and kicks mm-hmm. him out, but he mm-hmm. holds onto his bag. And he goes, like, what the hell is this? This is, like, this is garbage. This is just, you know, they're phone book-looking things mm-hmm. uh, with, with, a, with a marble in the middle. And, you know, he's driving along. And then all of a sudden you see you see his eyes you know widen up and, and two hands two skeleton looking monster hands come out through his front window and and grab him and and, and they blow up the uh, he, he loses control and blows blows himself up in the, in the truck mm-hmm. and uh, then we meet our main characters who are Sho and Mizuki. And Sho is a schoolboy. He looks like he's in middle school. And I think he's Mizuki... like 15 or 16. I think that's that's what oh, they are. Yeah. So well, this, well, to be fair, this one drew him younger looking than he looks in the other in the other version, even including the the, the manga version. If you've ever seen Double Zeta Gundam, he looks exactly mm-hmm. like Judah. Okay. Uh, and then Mizuki looks like uh, she looks like somebody who's she looks like uh, Ronma's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right, and you know it's very sweet. You know they're they're having a they're out on a walk, and you know you're you're introducing them, and it it's very nice, very very shown and jump anime. Yep. Time. Uh, cut toward to, cut toward later to that night, and you see Malmont. That's his name, correct? Yep. You see Malmont get confronted by these Cobra shock trooper looking guys. And they're wearing like these. They look like almost like Halo uh, characters from the video game. Yeah, they look like hey, they're they're wearing these helmets that look like yeah, the sun out of Halo, um, and mixed with like shield uniforms almost. Yeah, very cool yeah. looking guys. And they're yeah. I think these guys look cooler than they actually do in the uh, in the OVA, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, yeah, because they weren't full. They weren't yeah. full gear. Like the helmets are fully uh, covered and everything. Is that how they are in the manga? No, they're not. It, the manga, the manga is the they were they wear goggles and they got the helmets, but you can see. So I like Batman look. You can kind of see their face still. Got it. But they're all very uniform though. They all look the same. So they confront Malmont, who's holding his bags, because it's very obvious it was him um, stealing his bags back. Yeah. Um, he transforms into this this um, Attack on Titan looking monster. He looks like the. Uh, like a like a inside out man. Uh, yeah. He, he he grows he grows maybe like eight feet nine feet and just you know looks just like a horrible. He looks like a painful inside out monster creature. Yep. And then one of the uh, these agents, you find out they're from Kronos, the mm-hmm. you know the the company that we talked about earlier, and uh, he one of them removes his masks his mask and he turns into this gargoyle. How do you describe him? He's a big gargoyle. I mean, his, he turns into a. So, 
the zonoids are designated by type. Like they're mass, these are like mass produced creatures and they're, they uh, are designated by their type. So this turns into Gregel. Gregel is like the big muscle type. He looks like a giant gargoyle with like a huge horn that comes out, like a right. unicornish horn. Um, and he's just a, he's like, it, it reminds me of Abomination almost with a big horn. That's um, a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And they explain Malmont. He is, so there's a genetic process that goes, they don't go too deep into this, but in the lore, they take, Kronos takes humans, they put them in these tanks, and then over a course of like a couple of weeks, they modify their genetics so they can transform in and out, but it takes time. And Malmont escaped before his process was done. So he's an incomplete zoonoid. So that's why he's got like the janky hands that are like right. skeletal. And the design on this one is actually far more cryptic than the actual one from both the manga and the uh, the anime or the the later OVAs. Like he's there's literally no flesh on his hands. It's just bone. Uh, you see muscle tissue. There's like little tufts of hair here and there. And his face is like a skull. Like it's not it's incomplete. Like there's no tissue over it. There's maybe like tufts of hair and stuff. Like he looks like a mangy dog. And they even give him like the it's like, dude, you're dead no matter what because you left before the transformation was complete. Like you're it doesn't matter. Like we can't finish you now. So just give up what you have. So they he goes into a test of strength against what's his name? The Gargle guy. Greg. Yeah. And he's like you know, like, there's no way this guy's going to get out of it, you know. Yeah. He immediately breaks his hands, rips his arms off, and just, mm -hmm. you know, you know, massacres the guy. But uh, uh, Malma has a trick up his sleeve. While he, while he dies, uh, his his bags, his, uh, they're called Gyra units. Yes. You'll find that out later. Uh, they explode. And then they get sent all across, all over, all over the town. Um, and what happens is one of them lands right in front of Judah and, uh, sorry, not Judah, a show <laughs> and uh, Mizuki. Yeah. And he's like, what the, what the hell is this? So, you know, whatever. He grabs Curious it. kid. Yeah. He grabs it. He's like, oh, that's weird. Tosses it. But as he tosses it, he activates it on accident. Yep. He tosses it, goes off in the air, and then it opens up and these, not these tentacle looking things come and they, and they grab him. And you know he's being consumed like a like a symbiote, like a like a mm -hmm. venom symbiote. And uh, and then uh, what happens? Like here? he's like, and that's the thing when you when you get so when a unit attaches, it's very much so it opens up like you see like the design of these things again. Fourth reason I love it's the designs of these things too. So the unit has these three interlocks on it, like these metal looking pieces. And then there's all these like trendles, like it looks like flesh underneath it, like like it's corded up, kind of like um, if you ran like cable or something like that. And then there's the control yeah. unit. But when it opens up, all those trendles come out and they envelop the hose, and it them. And then what it does, it's almost like a chrysalis, like it's like they're steaming, it like it infiltrates the host nervous system, like it just takes them over. So shows trying to like fight this thing off. He's like, doesn't understand what's happening to him as uh, like, he's just covered in this goo. There's no real form to it yet, but you can start seeing like stuff harden on him. Uh, again, to again to like what we were talking about when we, when we discussed a uh, common writer, um, uh, 
uh, Black Sun, like the look of that, like yeah. there's the like the exoskeleton look, and he falls, yeah. like he's flailing, and then he falls into the river, like there's a river nearby, he falls into it. Mizuki's like, what did I just watch? On? Yeah, did I just watch my friend die? Like what? What was that? So, so continue on. Kronos catches up with Miss. They see Mizuki. They they mm -hmm. approach her. Uh, I forget his name again. Gregle. Gregle grabs yeah. Mizuki. Take you know like is about to eat her. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? Guess who comes back? It's Guyver. But he's fully like he's he's in hero mode now. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not really sure how much of it is this, the 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 Guyver suit, and you don't know how much of it is uh, show. So he's in there. He's picking up. He's you know he's fighting the uh, the the shocker troop. I'm gonna call them shocker troopers because yeah, he's fighting them off one by one. He's he knows how to use weapons. He there's he's got this blade on his on his elbow. He's cutting them up. He then he goes uh, one one on one against Grendel, and no chance. Grendel has no chance against a uh, guy where this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Cuts off his horn. Ends up decapitating Grendel. Uh, and then Mizuki passes out because she's not, she's in shock about all this. Yeah. Uh, Guyver picks her, picks him up and takes him off. Right. Well, that's, 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 that's the, that's the, that's the basic. So, yeah. Yeah. So the basics is that when Guyver, so here's the, here's two things. So there's a, there was a larger team of these troops and they are, they're reporting to someone we don't see yet. And right. there, so there were three units in that bag. They found one, and you hear on the comms like, "You get back those units at all costs, or essentially you're dead." So they know the one shot off this way, and they're looking for the third one. So they all split up. So the Greg, and his guys confront Mizuki, uh, confront Mizuki, and they're like, "Hey, we know you saw something." And now they also now that they also kind of mentioned that Mizuki, or yeah, Mizuki saw Gregel, and anybody that sees a Zonoid has to die because. This is like black ops stuff. Like they keep they keep this stuff on the DL. So when Guyver comes out of the river and now he's fully formed, his eyes are red, and he doesn't say a word. Just goes into like attack mode, and just and that's why he does the annihilation thing. The thing that that Guyver does best is just the fights. Oh, it's so good. And uh, when the fights over, like. He's covered, like his hands are covered in blood and everything, and then all of a sudden the eyes turn white, and you hear Show talk. So he was completely unconscious for the entire fight. And right. this is something the I get into when the lore, Guyver, the Guyver unit is a living thing. It's a living, breathing organism of its own. But its main purpose is to protect its host, because without the host, it has nothing. So if the host goes unconscious, the unit takes over, and the unit is programmed to defend and it defends very well so when show comes comes to he's like what he's looking around just seeing all these bifurcated bodies and there's arms and all this stuff in the gray and he's like what the hell happened as he goes to pick up mizuki he sees his hands and he's like what the hell happened to me he has that that moment of like every that every every one of these animes does where he's like you know like ah like i'm a monster and then the unit disperses from it and he's perfectly fine and it kind of reforms over the over the river and then kind of just disappears he's like that was weird and then we we move on like it's literally like ha huh. okay so i guess happened. we're just gonna ignore the dead bodies <laughs> okay 
So the next day, Shaw shows in school, and he's getting shit from his friends. He mm-hmm. said, they go, oh, you, uh, you get lucky with uh, Mizuki or whatever. And, you know, they're, just yeah. being, they're just being, you know. Being dudes. Just being dudes. Dudes just being bros. Yeah. And, uh, and then you see a flash on the screen, and you're like, what the hell is that? Um, show reaches out to his friend. I didn't catch his name. What was his name? Uh, I forgot his name this one. I think it was just yeah. some nondescript buddy. Fred. Fred A. Yeah. Fred B. And uh, Fred A. has a hole in the side of his head. He just got sniped mm-hmm. from the outside. He goes like, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh, turns back to his other friend, and then you see the bullet go in one ear, uh, one temple, and out the other on his other friend. His two best friends just got killed right in front of him. So mm-hmm. freaking out, freaking out, runs, runs, you know, runs out of the classroom because he doesn't want to get shot next, goes down yeah. to the police station and tries to tell the police officer, police is dead. He's like, what yeah. the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And then we cut to uh, the Kronos organization, right? Yeah. And then we meet Valkyrie, is her name? Yes, we meet Valkyrie. Valkyrie, Valkyrie Lisker. That is her Lisker. name. So Valkyrie Lisker. Lisker. Is the main bad guy from the first Skyrim movie, right? But the f- yes, yes and no, yes and no, yes. Right. The, um, the name Lisker, right? Yes. The Lisker is is a revolving character in a few of these in in in, in this in this lore. But in the uh, and this is where when I watch this, I'm like, who is this? Because so far there's never really been any women other than Mizuki and a few other characters. So. Kronos never had, like, any women. It's all, like, male-oriented. And uh, I'm like, I remember the first time watching, I'm like, who the heck is this? And, of course, this being 1986, being an OVA, you have to open with the gratuitous shower scene. It's nothing too, but that's the thing. She's talking to someone off screen as she's showering. Like, she's giving, like, she's giving, like, a rundown of, of, of you know, the S hitting the fan. And uh, she's like, "Look, I'll clean this mess up." And we find out from we find out at that point that they recovered that Kronos recovered only one unit, and the unit was slightly damaged because it hit a rock. So this is where I believe she's talking. She we we cut to the point where she's talking to um, the head of the Kronos branch, right? Which is this big. Yeah, this big business dude kind of looks like a fat uh, Mike Hagar kind of dude smoking a cigar. It looks like and, he's the boss, pretty much. Yes, yeah. uh, this is um, uh, 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 I forget. Oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. This is Makashima. This is uh, the head of Kronos. And they're yeah, so they're both like, look, this is a mess. We need to, and that was the thing. The units were so, were being transported to Kronos HQ. So they're being studied. Like we find out through this scene that like these units are new. They they even to them they're like we don't know exactly what these things do and what they are. And the only thing that they know is, is that they're potentially potent weapons. Right. So something happens. She activates the unit that was damaged. Yes, on an, she was in, inspecting it. Yeah. Yeah. It activates. Same deal. Tentacles come out. And they attached to her. And when I said they attached to her, they attached to every. every. <laughs> so <laughs> let, let, uh, real quick, was, I just want to kind of touch on this again. This is how anime was back then, because the, this this is all geared towards men. It's geared towards guys, geared towards dudes. 
Joe's transformation was very um, body horror. They're both body horror, but there's there's body horror where it's quick and it's like he's involved like Venom. Valkyrie's was a lot more just dubiously gratuitous, like almost borderline hentai-ish. Like there, you know, as she's being consumed, she somehow becomes naked, even though she was wearing a full business suit, like a you know, like what a woman would wear in corporate. And she's getting consumed by this thing. And it's, um, again, like I hadn't watched this in like five. I remember it being kind of, I didn't remember it being this gratuitous. But they spent a little more time on the unit taking her over. And you're sitting there like, yeah, mm-hmm. all right, that went there. And that went there, of course. And it's almost like she's, there's like a, they, they animated it in a way that it's almost, pleasurable in a weird way like it's that like uh it's 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 weirdly sexual that's just i'm gonna put it she's blushing by the time it's over yes and and it's like all right like i get it yeah and the unit consumes her takes her over hardens this whole thing and then immediately goes away same deal yep okay um and so we go to because I remember like this this movie is really quick and it just goes by you know there's we're back no, to the police station. No well, yeah, yeah, we're, we're back, back to the, the cop. By the yeah, way, the, yeah. the the detective he's talking to, yeah, just this. <laughs> he the best way I can describe him. Do you remember how McFarlane used to draw Sam and Twitch? Y- yeah, this this brick house of a yeah. Yeah, remember Sam was kind of fat, but he was also yeah. like big. Yeah, That's yeah, how this yeah. dude's drawing. He's gratuitously overweight, the double chins, and he's like, he's like, okay, kid, like, what, what, you know, just slow down, tell me everything's going on, you know, like right. trying to reassure him at first. And then he says something like, uh, "Hey, uh, why don't you give back that guy unit?" And of course, she was like, "What, what are you talking about? I never, what do you?" And he goes mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, it's a probably good idea if you bring back, the, if you join me back at HQ and you just turn over your guy unit." Like she was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Uh, gets gets angry with him. Then you find out he himself is a zoonoid. Yeah. Transforms. He's a Chronos agent. Um, big surprise, right? Again, just like mm-hmm. Umbrella, it's it's everywhere. Everybody's a Chronos yep. agent. Um, he turns into this. Uh... Oh boy, here's the thing about describing these creatures. Mm-hmm. They are not. Kaiju, they are not common rider villains. No. They are very their own thing, and it's it's like it has like a bat face. It has like these two oversized cannons for shoulders that these, open up. They're yep. they are organic cannons, and they yep. and they and they're ooey and they're gooey and they're just wet. And it's just it, it looks like if you saw it in real life, it would look horrible. It would look like like a, uh, I don't know how to describe it. it. It looks like somebody's guts are coming out of their shoulders. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, to even say it's like thing esque, like the John Carpenter thing. That's not even describing yeah. it. Like the the Zonoid designs are. I mean, everything in Guyver is wildly unique. I think that's one of the the things that stands out about. It. Like the designs are so original, so so fascinating in their own way. And this particular unit is called Vamor. And this is uh, um, in the in the bigger lore. It's uh, um, uh, a bio blaster unit. That's what they call it. 
So again, like the it's it's got these gigantic shoulder pads. It kind of looks like, as you said, like it's very hard to describe, but the best way I can put it, it's like, it looks like a bat with like a bird's beak on it. He's pink. Yeah. He's kind of hunchy. Like the, again, the character models on this are not, um, are very different from what the manga and everything else was. And just, it's just this, this, this like kind of hunchy because all the weight is on the top of the shoulders. Like it looks like it's wearing ridiculous, like, like shoulder pads like a football player would wear just massive bulbs but they have like a cut like there's these almost like slit, venus yeah. fly trap yeah slits and when they and th this is the thing this is something that this ova does that none of the other versions do like when these when the characters that have these these blasters on because the blasters are are always concealed and they're concealed either behind like some sort of fleshy like pad or something like that. But they're these very clean optic looking, they almost look like eyes, but they're not quite eyes. Um, like almost, it's like a combination. It's like what an organic like laser lens would look like. That's the best way I can describe it. That's a the very, very good way of describing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so continue on. So there's a brief, there's a small scuffle. There's a brief fight. Uh, I'm sorry. A show transforms into the guy where he figures out how to do it now. He yeah. can summon. He can summon the armor. There's a there's a small fight. Uh, you see, uh, what's his name? Vanmore. 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 Uh, yeah. Van Valmore. Val Vanmore. Van yeah. Yeah. He, you know, he he exposes his cannons, shoots right at him. I don't know how show. I don't know how show uh, uh, dodges it. He doesn't dodge. They hit him. Oh, they do. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's really hammering home that. The Zonoids are no match for these things. This is why Kronos wants these things so bad. Because in the wrong hands, they they can be, they are potentially dangerous to their to their organization. So Sho feels like this burning in his chest. He grabs mm -hmm. his he, he grabs his uh, his sternum and he rips open. It looks like he like he rips open his a shirt from the middle. He, yeah, kind of like Hogan. Yeah, exactly. He's got two bulbous cannons. This they're wet and they're slimy. And you yep, see him charging dripping up. goo and stuff. Van War's like, "What are you doing? You're you're destroying the you're destroying the unit." They had because they have no understanding of what this thing is. And then lets out his, his chest, his his what's his Mazinger's cannon chest burster. Uh, oh yeah, that's uh, 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 um oh, what did what did he? Oh, I forgot what the Mazinger called because they are inspired. Yeah, but these are inspired by Mazinger. Like they are inspired. Yes. They're called the actual breast name fire. of the what? Yeah, the Breastfire. The actual name of these of these particular cannons are called the the um, the Mega Smasher. Yeah. That's Again, great. Uh, the the mm, mm, mm. <laughs> obliterates obliterates the zonoid, obliterates the building, and there's this huge hole in the building. Mm -hmm. uh, show dips from there. He's like, I'm out of here. He runs yes. away. He finds he you know he's a, he disappears into the desert. He goes really far. Mm -hmm. um, he's like he's like eating corn you know cornfield for some reason yeah and, <laughs> yeah and then he he ends up in a shack uh and then he gets visited by a by a, a chronos agent mm -hmm. and he's like hey man just just come on back like we're not gonna hurt you just mm -hmm. come back to base with us and 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 uh and you'll be fine is yeah. there anything you want to add to that part uh well no he knows they got mizuki He's yeah. now dubious. He can't trust anybody. 
and uh, he's not buying it at all. Right. So he blows he blows him up, right? He blows mm-hmm. up the shack. He's like, F, F this, I'm out of here. Blows it mm-hmm. up. Next scene is show running, you're running the base. You hear the, you know this this Japanese pop music playing in the background. You mm-hmm. know, there's other zone noise. There's other zone noise. It looks like he's they're on a boat or a dock yeah. or something. Yeah. And and that is uh, there's always a band there's always abandoned docks. I, I've I've been on docks. I've never seen anything abandoned really in those places before. But for some reason, that's a staple in just about everywhere. Like you need a fight scene, an abandoned dock somewhere. So you see these zoonoids come out of the woodwork and start, you know, one by one, and you're like, "Hey, that one looks familiar." I'm like, oh, these are the actually these are the monsters of the week for the. Uh, you, yeah. I, I I'm not 100 percent with the names, but there's this like furry bat looking dude. Rad. There's there there was some that were that looked like they were just kind of conjured for the for the OVA. Yeah. There was there's a lot more like Greggles. There's um there's uh, I think there was a Ram I think Ramachis was in there, which is the other yeah, the, that's the guy. Yeah. He's he looks like a bat without wings. He's like a big hairy Bigfoot without but with like a bat face. Yeah. Yeah. There's the designs on these zonoids. I wish we got more time with them, but they yeah. look so cool. I, I'm surprised. I'm not 100% on uh, Guyver merchandise, but mm-hmm. were, was there any sort of collectible toys back in the day, or, or are there still collectible yeah. toys? Yeah, but unfortunately, if you're into it, it's a very expensive hobby. You and I Is collect it? a lot of Godzilla figures, and it, it rivals the prices of like some of the higher-end stuff because, again, it's such a niche thing. Like the, the company that put these out was called Max Factory. They're now known as Figma. Um, oh, but they they put them out as as kits back in the day. They were like little like little eight inch model kits that you had to cut and assemble and paint. So they did all the basic uh, zoonoid models. They did all the Guybers, including the one that's coming up. And they did uh, that for uh, the actual mainstream stuff, the hyperzoonoids. So we we got a few, and then years later they went back and made them into actual action figures, like really high. This was like at the start of like the Rebel Tech era. These were like Rebel Tech esque, but they didn't have like the the snap joints. They were very they're very clean figures, but you hold them, and you're like, I feel like this thing's gonna break if I really screw oh, it. No. Yeah, but uh, if you yeah if you try it like again like I got a small collection and I paid a pretty penny for a lot of that stuff. So I I gotta find some of these zonoids because these are really cool looking uh, monsters and and they mm. they look great. They look awesome. Uh, do yourself a favor and, and Google uh, Zonoid and uh, let us know which one your favorite one is. But uh, yeah, so Guyver's going around, he's chopping up Zonoids left and right, and uh, then he makes it on the boat and he's confronted by uh, Valkyrie, but yep. she is transformed into Guyver 2 in the second. Mm-hmm. And uh, you understand when you introduce her to Valkyrie, she's working out, she's a fighter. She's yeah. a grown woman. She, you know, she knows her way. She can, she can fight. She's got some strength on her. Show, on the other hand, is a schoolboy. He's a yep. 15, 16 year old schoolboy. Not the best fighter. No. But at this point, it looks like the Guyver unit is taking over for Show. And oh no, no, no. So no, this yep. is this is a very important thing. Especially they, they really, they don't hammer it home as heavy on this one as they do in, in both the manga and the uh, the other OVAs in the actual the later series. But the idea of the Guyver unit is that every unit is equal. 
the units, all they do, they enhance whatever organ, organism it's, it's connected to. So theoretically, Giver 1 and Giver 2 are on equal grounds. But where it comes down to, much like in martial arts, is the skill. And if you have better skill, you have better technique, that's going to give you the upper hand. And that's why the, so when show show's been basically like, like when he's fighting, he's relying on this new strength he's got. It's like, he's like a superhero who's just kind of like uh, the Captain Marvel, the Shazam movie, when he learns that he's Shazam for the first time and he can do all these things, like he's still figuring it out. So he's like shoulder tackling. He knows he can pull the, the, uh, the, the blade. It's officially called the high frequency blade because it vibrates and that's how it can cut through everything. So he's just kind of relying on the strength of the Giver unit alone, but he has like zero combat skill. Like he doesn't know how to throw a kick right. He doesn't know. He's just kind of like he's winging it. Now he's fighting someone who has legitimate skills, and this is where the test comes in. And he uh, takes on uh, Valkyrie and her unit. Long story short, he's getting his ass beat. Yep. She's yeah. She she knows what she's doing, and she's countering mm -hmm. every move that he has. It's almost like she knows what he's, you know, she knows how to, I don't want to say she's playing around with him, but she's yeah. definitely not, you know. Uh, he, it, I got the sense that she wants to make him suffer, almost punishing him for, for getting involved. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, then, you know, you go into your spinning kicks and, you know, these, uh, these takedowns and uh, somehow show manages to damage the, uh, this core uh, so, every yeah. Giver has a core here. It's called the control metal. That is the go. it's the brain function of the unit. That is where the the units. Uh, it's basically the processor of the unit. It's on the head, and um, her unit was damaged. So there's like a chip. There's like a crack in it. So it's twofold. There's like an outer ring, and then there's the main orb. And you can see the like on the top like left hand corner. It's it's damaged and. When he hits it, because that's like basically like the Givers aren't immortal, technically, uh, but they have like immense regeneration like capabilities. Like if you get damaged, it will repair you. It will repair your body and everything. It will eventually like regenerate. But the thing is, the control metal cannot be. The control metals literally the strength and the main weakness of of the Giver, uh, of, of all Giver units. Like the, I mean, you could be caught in like a nuclear blast. As long as the control metal is intact, it will regenerate. But if it's damaged, well, that throws everything into, into chaos. And that's when Sho notices like, oh, her, her, her metal's damaged. And it right. starts glowing. And so like Chris said, you, this is the point where you find out that the Givers are organic beings. Mm -hmm. um, they're not just an it's not like an Iron Man armor. It's its own thing. Yeah. And so she's not feeling too well, right? Yeah. She's she starts feeling like, oh no, what's going on? Something's wrong. She knows something's off. And then yeah. she, slowly, slowly, she starts melting. The yeah. unit is melting over her. It's it's eating her alive, pretty much. Yes. And. And uh, it's she's she's turning into like the sludge, not quite. She's done. Yeah, it's like a mouth opens on her. It's got like all these fangs. Like this is uh, it's it's the the breakdown of the unit. The unit it, because the Giver in the the they call it the Giver because it, it's out of control. It cannot be controlled. 
and when the when the when the the metal is damaged, then it starts to lose like it's like say your uh, your 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 processor on your computer starts faltering. You start getting the blue screen of death, and you're like, God, no, no, my my data, everything, because that controls it controls the entire function of the Giver, and if you can't hold it together, the unit starts eating the host. Like it just starts turning on itself. It's 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 kind of, it's it's kind of like a cancer. It just turns it turns on itself, and she's. And this is the thing that this episode this this does very well, and they 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 do they do carry it over, and I would say this is probably the best bit of animation in the entire episode, is as she's starting to like melt, like she's you know she can't communicate, she's just screaming in pain, like shows like backing up, he's like oh crap, like what have I done? That yeah, and. Uh, you know, she like bits of her are falling off, like everything, and his metal starts lighting up, and he realizes what he needs to do. Like this is his chance to win this fight. And what does he do? Just fire, or what's it called? Opens uh, up the mega yeah. smasher. Mega smasher. Opens it up. It's and almost just, like a mercy killing. It's almost yep. like it feels bad for him. Yeah. Yep. And I, when I say this is the best bit of anime, because again, like, this is not the best animation like that you'll ever see. It's, it's par. It's 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 okay. It's not great, especially compared to like some of the later stuff. But it felt like they put all the money into this one sequence. And uh, so when show opens up and fires the mega smash rider, the whole screen just turns white. But there's these these little tidbits, these, 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 the, these little nuances, like you can see the beam like passing across her and there, it almost looks like you, those scenes out of like a nuclear explosion. Like when the, the, when the concussion wave is coming and you see like the, the dust being ripped up and, and being blown back. Like you can see it passing through her over her and bits of the unit start chipping away until you actually see her actual human form. And then, once the Guyver unit is completely like chipped away, then the rest of her starts disintegrating and she just fades into nothingness. But the way it's drawn, they got the little bit of the speed lines. There's uh, just little nuanced details in this. I'm like, all right, that's where the money went. But man, that was that was great. That was a, that was a great great bit right there. So mission accomplished, or so you think. Mm-hmm. The Kronos Corporation still has Mizuki hostage. Yeah. Uh, show as Guyver starts running around the ship, the abandoned ship, and uh, looking for Mizuki. And then we run mm-hmm. into our Kronos Japan branch manager. Makashima. Yep. Makashima. And he is holding Mizuki hostage, has a gun in her head, and mm-hmm. uh, says, and says, hey, man, give it up, or I'm going to kill yeah. Mizuki. Because he is, he point, he's like, if I don't come back with it, I'm dead no matter what. Right. So he's like, you've already like, he's like, you made a mess out of all this. The only way I say myself is if I bring you back or I bring the the unit back, one way or another. And uh, lo and behold, the surprise of the episode is what's his name? Is it not Mizuki? I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. Well, you hear this. You hear, hear that again? The Japanese no no sound effects. They they create some of the 
best sound of the most unique sound effects in the world. One of my favorite sounds is the the movement of the Gundam, like that that mechanical sound. You hear this, you hear this like almost like whoop, it's hard to describe. And then he Makashima like coughs up blood and he falls over. And, yep. And he falls forward, and behind him is the big reveal of of the of the episode, which is and it's Guybrush three. It's the third guy, yep. and you're like, yep. what the whole who's like? Oh no, you have no idea what this guy's intentions mm-hmm. are. Uh, you don't know yep. if he was an ally. You don't know if he's another enemy. You don't. Mm-hmm. There is no. There is no information. But they exchange yep. some words. I don't. I and this remember is exactly what they said to each other. Well, this is what he is. He actually. This is where the des- designations of the guybrush come in because. Show was the first one to open it, so now he's Guyver 1. Right. And since Valkyrie was the second one, she's Guyver 2, and he calls himself Guyver 3 because he was the third Guyver to be activated. And uh, he tells him kind of like, look, I'm not, I'm not here to fight. Uh, the, ship's, the ship's coming down around them because like, they've destroyed the whole, the whole place is starting to explode because Kronos is covering their tracks. And he tells him, it's like, look, the, on, on the on the belt, on the pelvis area, there's a there's a metal. He's like, that is a gravitational orb. If you focus, you can fly. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, the unit has much more potential than you even know. He's like, take her, get out of here. And he's like, this is all I can tell you right now. So he then, like, he doesn't fly away. He, like, almost, like, transports out like he's in Star Trek. Like, he just, just blips away. I'm like... I, I, I'm like, I forgot about them. Like, he just told me he can fly, but all of a sudden he just teleported away. He teleports away. Show grabs Mizuki, takes off. Everything comes down around them. Leaves yeah. Mizuki. And this is, again, like, this whole climatic thing just happened. And then all of a sudden, like, Mizuki, like, wakes up and gone. Like, show just disappears. Credits. Like, wait. That's it? That's all? That's all? And they give yeah. you the ending of, like, show just goes into hiding because now he's a wanted man. He's on the run. Like, there's a little bit of, like, a uh, like like a quick, like, voiceover. And it's just, then you get credits, the music, and all that. And you're just like, wait, that. That's all that that's it. That's oh, the whole 56 minutes right there. And there's a reason for that. Because when this again, as we mentioned earlier, when this was made, the manga was only into I think like chapter five to chapter eight. So they took the first four chapters at the time. So I think Guyver Three had been if my memory if my memory is sound, Guyver Three had started making like shadowy appearances like in there. Um, they don't like. You still don't know who he is yet. And by the way, this OVA omits a lot of other characters that are wildly important to the story because they're just telling the very basic, almost boiled down version of those first four chapters. And I think they realize, look, we might not be doing anymore. We're just gonna do this. So cut the fat where you need to. But they wanted to throw in Guyver Three because he's a very important character. He's um, he's the second lead essentially in the larger story. Um, but the fact that it just kind of like it, it does have its own ending because 
the manga was continuing on, but they're just like, nope, we've told our own story now. Show is a wanted man, and he's on the run, and that is it. And at the time, I'm like, this is 1986. No one knew there was going to be more. No one knew how long this, this manga was going to run. Uh, spoilers, it, it ran. It's still technically running. It, the manga is not finished, but there hasn't been a new chapter since 2016. Um, I No one knows exactly why uh, um, uh, uh, the creator, Yoshiki Takiyata, um, he just mentioned that he's taken an extended break, never any follow-up to it. And the rumors I've heard were that um, the big one I heard was the fact that he had an assistant that he that assistant might have done a lot of the um, the heavy lifting on the drawing end, and that uh, Takia might have been more like the story man more than anything else. And he's he's a he's an artist in his own right. Like he drew uh, before this, he did a um, a manga called uh, Hades Project Zeorimer, which uh, when it was initially published was very much it's a a hentai mech series. That's the best way I can describe it. There is actually an OVA of it that omits a lot of that stuff, and it was actually done under a pseudonym too. Like he didn't use his real name on that one. But um, the rumor I heard about why Guyver hasn't continued is that his assistant passed away, and that he did not either. He doesn't. He didn't want to do the bulk of the work himself, or maybe the fact that his his assistant quietly might have been more of the brains to where they were going because this the manga started in 1985 and it was still going to 2016 and if you're i mean look those of you who love berserk know this pain of a super long running like uh story that you're into that the creator like that is one thing that he does it's the only thing he does you're not doing anything else and then something happens and you're just like I'm never going to get this finished, am I? Now, thankfully with Berserk, um, people are taking up the mantle to finish the story. Like, is uh, the, uh, Mariah, Mariah, the, uh, the creator of Berserk, he sadly passed away almost two years ago. His friend, who is also another, uh, uh, I believe he's another manga writer and artist, uh, apparently he's the, he's the one that um, knows where the story was going. It knows where it was finished because I think they were they would tell each other. You know, he would talk, pitch him ideas like, "This is where I want to go." Okay, maybe work this. So they're taking up the um, the ungodly and unforgiving duty of finishing it. His assistants are are going to work on it because when you read these mangas, especially something like Guyver or Berserk, the amount of, they're in black and white, but the detail is. Is 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 extravagant. Guyver was very extravagant in its details. Like it's not, it's not Attack on Titan. I read Attack on Titan, and there are parts in that manga when you're like, there's literally no backgrounds in these fight scenes. It's just white, white background, and two Titans are smashing each other because it felt like we need to get through this. Where Guyver's very intricately detailed. So for those of us who love this story, because they were, it felt like. They were getting into the home stretch, and there's so much going on in that. And that's for another podcast for another day. But it felt like they maybe had like another two or three years of story to tell. And God only knows if we'll ever get it because there were twists and turns coming, and they were they were really hammering some stuff home that like 
you can kind of see where things were going and there was like maybe like a big big twist you didn't expect coming and this is all speculative but if you read the if you read the story you're like i think this is where it's going but that's kind of how it is so unfortunately those of us that love guyver might never see it finished and that's that is tragedy in its own right so overall as a brand new viewer to this the first time you've seen this now 86 so yeah this is over this is 35 years old uh, over 35 years old at this point what were your opinions i thought it was great i thought it was awesome uh mm -hmm. i think like i said earlier this is a great gateway this is, if you don't feel like committing to a 12 episode series or how long is the 20, 2005 series or if you just don't know what it is i think this is a great place to start um, mm -hmm. because it begins and it ends and it, it's, it ends pretty you know on point but yeah it leaves you with enough if you want to continue you could um the animation itself was yeah yeah, yeah, a little dodgy. It's kind of yeah. Dodgy. It's kind of yeah. Uh, it's it, it's watchable. I mean, it's not like this horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, in retrospect, you have to, you have to think about it, and this is 1986. Uh, yeah, Guyver wasn't established yet. You know, it was still going on. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe maybe the budget just wasn't there because there was no. It didn't have uh, enough equity inside of it to no. to warrant a bigger budget. Uh, but they, you see, you see the the, the money on the screen. Um, Character-wise, uh, it's great. Uh, Design-wise, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. And this I, was I, so. This OVA was directed by Hiroshi Wanatabi, who went on to direct. Um, went on to direct uh, the things people would know are probably Orphan. Do you remember Orphan? It was uh, like a kind of like a magic kind of anime but with like, with a dude, and he directed a lot of Slayers. Another big nineties. Uh, no, Ova? A, a lot of them actually. Yeah, he directed the Ova. He directed. Yeah, he directed all the, essentially all the Slayer OVA. Yeah, all the Slayer OVAs. That that was his Man. big. This from the looks of it, this was his um, first time out as a. Um, as a director so this was like him cutting his teeth then you go into slayers slayers is fun i like slayers it's been a Man, minute yeah since i've watched slayers but i remember it being a lot more fun than uh than, than uh, maybe my memory is giving or at the time like my memories remembering is a lot more fun and it was uh written by uh, toyo Oshida, who was the director for a little series called this is the North Star. Oh, so, yeah. He ended up directing a bulk, the main bulk of that, the cla that classic series, and went on very prolific. This guy's got his hands in in a lot of stuff. But Fist of the North Star is kind of like was the big thing that he did. Um, uh, actually, he did Fist of the North Star. I think Fist of the North Star was before around this time. And then uh, when he's done, like I'm looking at his IMDb, there's a ton of stuff. Like cut his teeth on Yatterman, a bunch of other stuff. So I mean, it's there was you know this was a you know the first time out for a first time director, but a, you know he had a seasoned veteran on his back. Um, the they there are, ma there, like I said, there are some massive changes in this. I mean, we touched on it earlier. Valkyrie is a creation for the OVA. 
She was not in the manga at all. She replaces Oswald Lisker, who is the original Guyver 2. And Oswald is uh, an American, short-haired dude, cocky son of a bitch. And he's the guy that eventually comes Guyver 2. Same fate. Very much the, the characters, like the, the basic strokes and the fate of them are nearly identical. But they did a woman. And there was no, in the manga, there was no female Guyver yet. She does show up years later. Like, uh, Taki actually managed to, he incorporates her into the manga almost 25 years after her first appearance. Because she, there, because some of the outside stuff plays with the, with the mythos, especially the movies. There are certain things they've not done yet. But he, she shows up. Like, she shows, she's Valkyrie, very almost Designs almost verbatim. She's not Valkyrie Lisker. She is another Kronos agent. And the story, she's actually like a rogue Kronos agent. She um, she steals. They they manage to um, take the control metal and build rebuild the second unit. Kronos does, but it is a uh, but they use what they call like a pseudo uh, control metal. So her Gyra unit is still a little glitchy because it, she can't maintain it for a long time like the like show can. Like show can wear it for like days and weeks at a time, no problem. Where her, she has to take it off. Like it has like a time limit. She has to take it off because this, the the uh, the the faux unit, the faux control metal does not cannot maintain whatever you know functions that the uh, the original one could. So. And uh, she she joins up with like a rogue group of um, Zoa lords because again the lore goes very very deep, but uh, she does become canon at, at eventually, and she's in this later half that will never get finished. So never, we, no one really knows like what her purpose is, where she was going to fit into the greater arc of the story, or maybe you know she was put in there because I, you know they made figures of her. They she was kind of a popular character in the merchandise aspect because she's very different uh, from the other, the other three Guyvers who are all just, actually there's four Guyvers, but again, that's a, for another time, another place. But um, yeah, the, I, I, even then before, because, you know, there was like a 20 year gap, the idea I'm like, God, they made a female Guyver. That's an interesting choice. So I don't know what the reasoning behind it was other than the fact that it's like Guyver's got a lot of dudes. And I think that, you know, Japanese guys love drawing women. So I think they're like, let's spice this up a little bit. Let's put a little little eye candy in there. So um, that's the big thing. The omission of, of Sho's best friend and brother to Mizuki Tetsuo, he is completely gone. Um, and uh we only get a we only get the tease of Guyver three, and I believe when he was put in there, they had not yet revealed in the manga who Guyver three was. But you find out that it's the classmate of of show uh, um, uh, um, Agito Makashima, who is the adopted son of the head of Kronos Japan, and you find out that his whole thing is that he's trying to take down Kronos from the inside, like he was. He was kind of working with Kronos because his dad was part of it, but he has this whole thing of like, I'm going to usurp this. But as the manga goes on, like you find out that his intentions are not as pure as uh, as they seem. Like he's he's still a good guy, but he might be playing a different game than uh, the rest of the characters are. Look, I would recommend anybody who's never read Guyver, you can find them all online. 
Um, Viz did release it out here, but they stopped at the beginning of the, or the middle of what they called the Chronos Japan arc. And, um, and th- there's just way too much to describe. That's that. I mean, I, the, the story is very wide. It's a big epic tale, um, but it's all, it's hard sci-fi. It is the hardest of sci-fi, but the, you get more monsters, you get more interesting characters. You're introduced to the higher ups of Kronos. You find out what their, their mission behind it is. It turns out that, uh, Humans are the dis- are actually bioweapons created by a group of aliens. They're, they're called the creators. You never see them. They are heard, but they're, they're never seen. And that the Guyver units were something that these aliens would wear to interact with each other. Like, for them, they're not weapons. They're suits to uniform these different races that work with each other. And it's alluded that there might be a war with this group of aliens and another group of aliens out there. And they were creating bioweapons on different planets and humans. They were like, we think we got it. We think we perfected it. And they create, uh, they create zonoids with them. Like these are going to be great shock troopers, but they experiment with a regular human with one of their units. So like, we just kind of want to see what happens here. And in the <laughs> manga, they throw, they take, they take a caveman, they take a caveman, they throw a guy unit on and they have him fight a T-Rex because it turns out the dinosaurs are like early prototypes of their bioweapons. And uh, the what we find out is the eventual head of Kronos. His name is Arkenfell. Uh, he bears witness to this and they watch the uh, the Gyra unit turn into this weapon. They don't, they're like, whoa, like if we put one of these on one of you guys, man, that's that is like we just up the game. Like we don't even. Like, imagine maybe we put it when you're, you know, fully zonoid out like this. This might turn the tide of the war. The problem was, is that the um, the creators had like a psychic control over their their creations. Like, you know, the humans and everything else they create could not turn on their on their creators. They were all in control. When the guy was put on this caveman, he was tasked with fighting this dinosaur, cuts it in half. And then when they at the when they when they command the caveman to um, to uh, to uh, you know power down, he turns on them, and they find out when any when when these when humans have them or anything that they created puts the Giver unit on, they are now out of their control, which is why they call it a Giver because in their language it means out of control. So it is it becomes like the most independent thing, and it becomes a potent bioweapon on these things to the point. It freaks out the creators and they have Arkenfell who is their, like their, 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 their crowning achievement. Guy. He's the first Zoolord. He, they, they put this crystal in his head because he's going to be like a general and he's given like a little more sentience. They're like, you know, and they're like, look, you need to, you need to shut this thing down. So they give him this thing called the unit remover to pull it off. And they kill the caveman, but they're so wigged out by what they saw. They're like, we're abandoning ship like this. This experiment is done and they take off and they're about to like, they're like, we got to kill. The, we got to kill the uh, the experiment. And in doing so, they try to rain down hell and like just wipe out the planet, which is Earth. Arkenfelt, you know, fights back and protects whatever is living left on there. And as the creators take off, they realize, oh, we screwed up. 
and the uh, the idea is that they might be coming back one day. So it gets very deep. It's it's a beautiful a beautiful series. But the main thing is that it has it it takes inspiration from Common Rider. It takes inspiration from like American comics. It takes inspiration from kaiju films. There's literally a kaiju fight at one point in this story. Like the Giver manages to merge with a ship. It's and it grows to the size of like Godzilla and it fights a Godzilla sized zoonoid. It's amazing. And as it, as it keeps going on, the designs get more unique, more interesting, more spectacular. And uh, again, for, for someone like me who eats this shit up left and right, I, you cannot get enough. And I'm always scratching. Like I love, like there's, there's a combination of simplicity and intricacy to all these designs. Like, you look at the Giver, like there's nothing that looks like it. Now, post Giver, there's been a lot of people that that kind of copped up, like took inspiration from those those designs. I mean, like there's been other like other mangas and stuff out there that take that kind of biomechanical look and really like inter- they've integrated. Like famously, there was Bao, there was um, Geno is a big one. So that that kind of like area, like I'm always I'm always down. I'm I'm a sucker for. I'm a complete sucker for this stuff. So that's why it breaks my heart that I'll probably never see this thing finished. So, any last thoughts? Because we've done an hour and a half on this. I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, this is great. This is awesome. Uh, this is. I mean, number one, thank you for. Uh, Opening my eyes to this, my what do you call it? your your memory core? What do you call it? What do you call it? your third eye? Yeah. Your chakra? No, 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 not your third eye. What's the, uh, the control unit? Yeah, yeah. I I had no idea, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I'm we both pride ourselves on on knowing everything, but you know the one thing I don't know, like what the hell, um, guys? I have uh, I don't want to give up too much, but next week's episode. Uh, or next time we record, uh, wow. I... <laughs> so you want to tease that real quick? You want me to tease it? Um, this is a, in that same conversation that we had, that Chris and I had, uh, we're talking about, we both have our list of, of what we want to talk about. And he goes, one thing that Chris knows more about than I do are late 80s to early 90s uh, Kung Fu cinema. And this this next movie we're watching is, wow. I, I, I had no idea it existed. Mm-hmm. I don't no, know I think a lot of people okay. do. I don't think a I lot of people, a lot of people do. Remember when I said, I don't know who, this mo- who these movies are for? This mm-hmm. is exactly what I mean. This next movie, I have no idea who this is for, but... It's it's a lot of fun and I cannot wait to talk to you guys about it. Did you watch it already? I have uh, I have seen it, but I'm gonna have to see it again because there's there so is much. A lot. It is, <laughs> like, you 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 watch it the first time and you're, it, it, it's like the speed of like what the hell was like you're just trying to like what's the story and then mm-hmm. the design it's, it, there's a lot but there's a lot going on. So, so the next, so the first, so we've covered the general consistency of Japanese cinemas thus far, but the, the, the goal of the show is not to just be 
we're just doing Japanese stuff. We're we're going worldwide. And uh, I I pitched this, which is this insane Hong Kong. I think it's a Cat Three film from the director of Rikio. If you've never seen Rikio, stop what you're doing. And well, finish then go watch it. But this <laughs> next film is from the director of Rikio, and it's called The Seventh Curse. And the best way I can describe it is Indiana Jones meets Evil Dead. And that does not spoil a damn thing because there is so much more going on in this. And I cannot wait to delve into it because this is one of my absolute favorite. Like, when I remember the first time watching it, I'm like, this movie is an absolute joy. It is insane to every degree. And this is exactly what I love talking about. So we're going to, we're going to hop out. We're going to move away from Japan next episode. We're going to go to the, the small Island of Hong Kong, mid eighties when they were just churning out everything under the sun. And man, did they love their trash. And this is the (laughs) trashiest movie. And I say that in the most positive way, because this is just, it has to be seen to believe. Now, for those listening, if you've never watched Guyver Out of Control, you can actually watch it. It's on YouTube. This, um, The whole thing's on YouTube. Because the only way, as I mentioned before, the only way it's available is if you buy the VHS. And I don't know a lot of people that have VHS players anymore. I still do. I got two of them. But it is some hardened fan has done the Lord's work, and it's uploaded. You can find just quick a quick search on YouTube. Go check it out. It's only ninety. It's only fifty-six minutes long. That's that's credit to credit. I highly recommend you check it out. Um, and the same thing with Seven Curse. It's up online. You can find it. It is available on DVD. Uh, actually, it just got a. Um, it got a big. Um, I think it's. Um, oh, was it 88, 88 films? Is that their name? Uh, in the UK, they put out this big special edition of it, which I'm still trying to get my hands on because there's a director's cut of it out there. Um, but uh, if you want to join us for the next one and you want to watch that, feel free to get a watch. If not, I hope that when you listen to it, you track this thing down. That's that's the goal of a lot of this show. We hope to introduce stuff that you may have never heard of or you've never given a watch, and hopefully we give you the uh, the gumption to go out there and check it out. So on that note, we're going to wrap up the episode. Uh, as always, if you're listening to this, you can find us. We are on the Kaiju Kingdom feed. So if you uh, subscribe to our, our, our main show, uh, we episodes are under that feed as well. Uh, our socials are facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are on Instagram at the Kaiju Kingdom as well as Twitter. So if you want to reach out, talk to us, anything like that, hit us up. Uh, we uh, we are on there. Um, as for the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, Jessica is currently working diligently. So those of you who listen to the show know that she's always busy. But we got – I'm hoping our review of Shin Ultraman will be the first film because we are celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. And then next month is March, which is King Kong month. It is the 90th anniversary of King Kong. And I got a a solo episode that I'm working on right now. I'm diligently putting it together. It's something very cool. And I hope that Kong fans tune in for that because uh, I'm kind of jazzed about it. And um, I I hope you will too. 
So on that note, that will do it for this edition of Common Kaisers. For myself and... I got you know, I said it. It's been real. Take us out, Arya. It's been real. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Peace. That's better. That one was good. We'll figure it out.